Okay. Now I'm recording. Okay. All right. Everybody's looking at me. Yeah, okay. We're just going to start? Mm-hmm. Okay. From Atlanta, where our gay pride doesn't need a parade. It's year-round, girl! John made me say it. John wrote it right here. I am his teeny little shoulder monkey. And about the right size, too. I could fit right in a pocket. It's the Whole World Improv Podcast, brought to you by Whole World Improv Theater, Atlanta's original home of improv. Here are your hosts, artistic director Chip Powell and a man who taught his teenage daughter to drive by Atlanta rules, especially in small towns and rural areas. John Mihalik. <laughs> what, what does that mean, though? Because... In Atlanta, John, I don't notice any rules to the road. I'm sorry. You guys really you scare the crap out of me. I like every minute, Atlanteans. Is that what you're called? I'm sorry. I'm not trying to hate on you guys. I learned how to drive in Manhattan. There's a rhythm there. And uh, here, no, no, there's nothing, nothing like that here. But uh, I'm still staying. I've been here for two years. Well, I'm alive. Here. I'm here. No, I'm alive and I'm driving. Just drowning out the terrified screams in my brain with the smooth sounds of the Bee Gees on the radio. Hey, everybody. It's the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast. My name's John Mihalik, and with me, my co-host, artistic director, Chip Powell. How you doing? What's going on? Well, so we have one last interview to do today. Oh, thank God. <laughs> And that interview is, and we're going to get to the bottom of associate director, David Owen. Hi, David. Hi. Hi, John. Pleasure being on the podcast here. Wow. You have a <laughs> really nice, sexy podcast voice, David. I, I think I'm going to have a greatest hits of podcast voices. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy to finally be on. Well, we're glad to have you here. David is another guy who I actually graduated with. Which class? Oh, you took him twice? The advanced games class? The old one. Twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the old one. That was a product of the beginners and advanced class format. Right. Mm-hmm. We went to advanced together. Did we? Yeah. Yeah, there's some picture I have of all of us on stage. I think it's the one where I'm wearing the green shirt. And I'm doing, yeah, yes, I remember that. Yeah. I was wearing some baggy jeans and like black dress shoes. Oh, wow. Didn't have the best wardrobe at the time. Yeah. Speaking of wardrobe, guys, are we going to put our clothes on or not? No. I, I get there's no camera, but do we have no. to do this thing butt naked? Look, that's the rules. All right, fair enough. Butt naked or no interview. All right, fair enough, fair enough. It's just a little cold. You don't want clothes rustling in here, in here or yeah. just affecting the audio nah, quality. Yeah. Hey, anything for production quality. Yeah, yeah. just be sure to wipe that seat when you get up. <laughs> I am 100% not editing that. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> So take us back to Baby David and how Baby David gets involved with Whole World Theater. Well, been coming to shows since I was a kid, watching Emily perform, watching you perform, and always been a big goofball. Something I've always done well is make people laugh. College rolled around, wasn't really doing well. (laughs) Wasn't really my thing, unfortunately. Same. Yeah, (laughs) it didn't quite go according to plan. I was around like 20, 21. Emily gifted me the beginner's class as a birthday present. And mm-hmm. My birthday is on the 28th of December, so I get those two holidays mixed up in my mind. But yeah, she gave me the class program. Mm-hmm. 
took it, was extremely nervous because at that point I was very secluded from everyone. I was just kind of just hanging out in my house, in my room, playing video games while everyone else was getting their education and getting ready to find their job and stuff. And I didn't really have much direction. So uh, I came along at a great time. Mm -hmm. I'm very happy I took the class program. Uh, it was with Lauren Rivard Goins. She was my first ever teacher. Real mm -hmm. sweet lady. Liked working with her. Mm -hmm. We had a good class, too. We had a nice big class. You know, I was in there with Brett Benson, mm -hmm. uh, Jessica Michelle Rudd, mm -hmm. Donovan Young, the legend himself, and uh, Matt Griffin. It was a good beginner's class. Yeah. And then we went to advanced games, pretty much all of us. They were a unique group. I remember they always had a ton of questions for you. Matt, mm -hmm. Brett, Donovan, and Jessica, they all kind of stuck out in my mind because they were always just very inquisitive. Mm -hmm. Wanted to know how to do it the best, yeah. Yeah. Good times. Those were two good classes. My current class has a lot of questions about what's going on. Yeah, do they? Oh, yeah. Which I don't mind. They're probably the most inquisitive that I've had in some years. That's good. They really want to know inside and out. As a matter of fact, I was talking about the 10 basic rules of improv, and one of the girls came up to me after class, and she says, what the hell is the 10 basic rules of improv? And I was like, <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, well, here we go. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. Mm-hmm. We'll include a link to the 10 basic rules of improv. David Alger's 10 basic rules of improv. Well, no, those are great rules. No, they are. No, no, no. No, I'm just surprised that, you know, it's like they're in their second round and they don't know about them. It's just one of those things. Because I've been seeing for several weeks, mm -hmm. just review those before you come in. And it was like five weeks later that somebody was like, what is that? <laughs> but I was like, wait a minute. Why did you ask that five weeks ago? Yeah, exactly. So did you think back then when you were taking that class, that you would ever be where you are now? No, because, I mean, I've always enjoyed making people laugh. That's something I've enjoyed since I can remember being a child. But, um, you know, at that point, I was really stuck in trying to find the most, like, a comfortable route. Because, you know, I did, like, sports year-round in school, football in the fall, then wrestling in the winter, and then track spring. So my life was very like, uh, I had a schedule with everything. You know, I had a job, I was a lifeguard, I didn't have much downtime. I was always going and doing things. And so I wanted to change. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do some things because like some of the sports events would stress me out. Sorry, I've got ADHD. So I'm going to bounce around a little bit, viewers or listeners. Um, <laughs> but you know, like I had the wrong mindset back in the day, I'd be nervous, it would intimidate me. So I got in the mindset of I don't want to do anything that intimidates me. And even though I love making people laugh and being goofy, performing improv for an audience was obviously very nerve-wracking because I didn't have experience with it. So I did not see it. I actually still remember after we graduated Advanced Games, we were at Tin Lizzie's. You were there, all of us, Brett, Don, Jessica, Matt. And I remember being in the bathroom and thinking, Whew, what a relief. No more performances. <laughs> <laughs> little did I know how wrong I was. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I couldn't see it. I wanted my life to be like comfortable and predictable. What um, did you eat at Tin Lizzie's? Um, we had three amigos, the salsa, guac, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. queso. And then I think I had a couple fish tacos. There you go. I love those. Um, I remember you ordered a Texas-style margarita, and I you did. ordered it like this. I want a big old Texas-style margarita. <laughs> and the lady asked for your ID, and you, you grabbed her hand and kissed it, you know, like a prince, because you were like, you're so sweet. Yes. That was a good night. And I think that was the night Howie Mendel was at, it might have been, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was a different night we went to Tim Lizzie's, but we ran into Howie Mendel there one time. Yeah. 
That's when I found out he was a germaphobe. He did the fist bump, not the handshake. I was going to ask, he's a famous germaphobe, so how did he eat? I I didn't see him eat. He was standing up. He was with a big party, and he was just standing the whole time, which I found a little odd, but not too odd. I mean, it's, you know, he's a celebrity. And I only saw him with a drink in his hand. Never saw him eat. Yeah. Alcohol probably has a lot of germ-killing abilities. Yeah. Was it one of those filtered yetis? I worked at a restaurant in Savannah where we had a doctor that would come in he was always by himself. He was the weirdest guy ever, mm-hmm. but he was a germaphobe. So he would always pull out his own gloves to put on. And then he would request boiling water yeah. where he would take the roll up and unroll it. Mm-hmm. And then he would oh, put yeah, yeah, yes. the silver in the boiling water. And this is... in <laughs> and um, back then, you know, it would be very unusual to see somebody wearing a surgical oh, mask, course. but he would pull it down for each bite. Wow. And it was the weirdest thing. And he came in all the time. He would only let one girl, Liz Beninati, mm-hmm. she was the only person that could wait on him. That is so funny. And this was back in Savannah? Oh, yeah. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Real quick, uh, my last, well, not my last serving job, but my favorite serving job at the Grove. Shout out to the Grove Indicator. We had this regular. He's probably still there. This guy, I think he had OCD. He would show up at 7 o'clock on the dot. Not exaggerating. It's so funny because all the servers, we would have our phones. So he would always show up at 7 o'clock on the dot. He ordered a Miller Lite, and he would drink it halfway, and he would pretend to be on the phone, pretend to talk to people on the phone. I always thought he was seriously talking to people until one of my serving buddies, her name was Mara, she told me to go look at the screen, and yeah, his home screen. So he was just like fake talking to people. Wow. that's What a unique guy. I wish I could remember his name. But no, no, don't don't say his name. <laughs> we don't need the name. I, I'm going to be bleeping all of these restaurants because they don't pay us. Yeah, yeah, I know. Fair enough. You know, fair unless enough. we can get the Grove to cut a check. Why don't you give him a call? <laughs> I'll give him a call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how the owner talks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bobby. Shout out to you, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. So you said being a server, was that mm-hmm. like your primary job? For about 10 years, yes. Slinging plates, serving tables. Started off at Cracker Barrel. Then after that. What? Mm-hmm. First ever serving job. Tips were rough, as you can imagine. <laughs> no alcohol, older crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever steal one of those little peg games that they no, have on the table? I never did. Never. I don't even know how to play it, really. I think <laughs> you just jump the golf tees. Or yeah. something. No, I spent the majority of my time serving up in Alpharetta. That's where I was living. A uh, bunch of different restaurants. I was about to list them, but then I, I, I yeah, won't yeah, see don't, them. Don't let us edit so much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah. What's this? Us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, don't let John edit too much. <laughs> I'm happy to be done serving, though. You know, I did that long enough. I do think everybody should, at some point, work in the food industry, since, you know, eating out is such a part of our culture here in mm-hmm. the States. It'd be nice if people could understand all the things that servers, you know, do and go through. Some people just, you know, get real angry real quick, and it's like, okay, got like five tables, man. When I was in the industry... Mm-hmm. As a manager, if we hired you as a waiter, you started off doing the dishes. And then gotcha. you moved to bussing the tables. Then you moved to shadowing a wait staff. There were even times and moments that people worked the line for cool. being a food runner or an expediter mm-hmm. because it was just important that you have an understanding the same way we do here. You know, you're coming in, you get to an apprentice program, you're going to mm-hmm. learn to run the camera, you're going to learn to house manage, you're going to learn to be up at the box office. Just mm-hmm. every moving part needs to be known by everybody coming in because you need to have an understanding of what the big picture is. Agreed. Wish more places would do that. Yeah, they need mm-hmm. to. Because I noticed in my last few serving jobs, there was always this big divide between kitchen staff and Mm -hmm. front of the house and back of the house. I don't know why. 
(laughs) (laughs) Oftentimes, the kitchen was really cool. There were only two restaurants where the kitchen people were not very nice, but uh, the majority of them really enjoyed messing around with the back of the house staff. They always have a, Mm -hmm. they typically, you know, on average have a good attitude. They're just here to do their job and they have the same immature sense of humor that I do. So we just (laughs) joke about raunchy stuff, crude things, and they always loved it. They always love it. So. Our uh, past alumni, and when I say that, I mean he actually did pass away. His Mm. name was Thomas Boyd. I worked at Einstein's after I had been on the road for three and a half years, and I was trying to decide if I was going to sign another contract and go back out on the road. And yet he was the one I was expediting with Chef Allison. She was our chef there. And I was expediting with her and she's hardcore. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't play around. But Thomas couldn't help himself because he worked in what we call salad world. So every time an order for Caesar salad came in, he had a little sidekick named Pam. Uh-huh. And he'd be like, I got one Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> and then little Pam would go, Caesar. And it was just this little entertaining thing that really pissed Chef Allison off. But deep down, you know, she loved it. Yeah. But it was just hilarious. And he was the one that told me, he goes, oh, you do theater? Because he would reenact every movie. He would wait. I would watch him Uh like spy at the bottom of the stairs for me to come down and run food. And if I was coming down the stairs, he would have a performance ready to go from either (laughs) Streetcar Named Desire or Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. I mean, he had them all ready. And I was like, oh, my God, you were fucking cracking me up. Because I knew these things, and a lot of other young people didn't understand what those movies were. But uh, he said, there's this group called Whole World that I've started to do improv with. Mm -hmm. And if you're just here for the summer, you should hang out with these people. And that's how I found them. And that's how I ended up going and taking a class off Elizabeth Street, which was the old Actors Express before it became Dad's Garage. Is that when you had to act like a dog? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the instructor was not really there often. Yeah. And so we always got this other person, I won't say the name, uh, <laughs> substituting, but was in the corner reading a creative loafing. And five minutes in, I was like, okay, look, that's enough acting like a dog, you know, because we were in the, I mean, like, I did it. Like, yeah. I'm, but we're going on 10 minutes. And I finally just sat in the corner with someone else. I can't remember who was in that class with me. It was an older lady. She uh-huh. did chiropractic work. I can't remember her name, but we were sitting there. I was like, is he reading the creative loafing that is that how he's going to teach this class i was like oh lord yikes learned a lot that day yeah learned. <laughs> so thomas boyd was uh salad he was on the like he was like the cold food yeah. oh, on yeah. the line and you were you we were called serving? it we called it uh salad work. no i was expoing like you, I said, expoing. you had okay. to learn all the parts the right. working parts and we had to know the food yeah Chef Allison was the best thing that ever happened to that restaurant. And when she left, it was the worst thing that ever happened because they went to like an Applebee's or somewhere and hired some guy. Uh And I was in the kitchen on a Sunday morning breaking eggs into a bowl, you know, just the yolks Mm -hmm. and saving the egg whites for the Einstein grill sandwich that we would make. Okay. So I'm separating them, and he came by, and he's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm making hollandaise sauce for the Eggs Benedict. He went, uh, no, it's a new day. 
and he took me to the pantry and he grabbed a huge can that said oh. Hollandaise and he slapped it on the table and got the big ass yeah, the can, can opener, can opener mm-hmm. and cranked it open and he put it in a pan and put it over some hot water. He goes, going to save you a lot of time right there. And I went, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh shit, the quality just went down to a can. Yeah. Went from homemade <laughs> to a can. Yeah. In one day. I was so mortified. I was like, oh, man, Miss Allison would be shitting a brick right now. Yeah. A lot of restaurants have moved towards that. Save time. <laughs> save money. Yeah. But, but you can so, really yeah, Thomas this. at that time was also without Proud Theater. Okay. And they've changed their name to something else now, but they perform in a lot of places. But at the time, they were in Inman Park at an old church, and they were doing a whole riff. And Thomas, who was... Six three six four yeah. two hundred and twenty pound black man was playing Snow White, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, so, and of course, you know, he turned it out with his oh, oh yeah, and uh, we so loved him, and oh, yeah. uh, he was freaking hilarious all day, all the time. So you know, after seeing that. I was full on into doing stuff with the whole world. I would imagine his Renegade is still like top. Two mm-hmm. favorites from mine when he had the dress on and he was singing the "Do you believe? Do you believe?" Oh yeah, on the Spring Street. Well, and in the true Thomas <laughs> fashion, he had on a bouffant wig and full makeup and a sequin <laughs> dress. But if you pan out yeah, the shot, he's got his big old baggy jeans yeah. and white sneakers on underneath mm-hmm. it. But he's still sold it. He's just sashaying through the traffic <laughs> out in front of the theater. That was all shot in front of the theater during rush hour. And uh, we used to entertain the hell out of people during rush hour. That's hilarious. So, yeah. That is hilarious. Maybe we should get back to that. John, you got a dress? Yeah, you got a dress, John. No, but <laughs> I have no problem. I'd have no you. problem. I mean, would I have to shave my beard off? Oh, Thomas would have left it on probably. Thomas probably would have left it on. <laughs> During Zoom, I was playing with a character that actually she was the bearded lady. I remember that. Circuses, but yeah. I wish I could see Chip's face when it he was, just said, yeah, I remember it, that. But it's very scary. <laughs> but yeah, might bring her to the stage. Seemed to work okay, you know, but she just kept the beard after the circuses closed. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> If you are looking to enhance your awesomeness and meet sexy, new people, you need to take a class at Whole World. We offer a 10-week class for adults at all levels. Whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced improviser, you'll learn the Whole World approach to improv and have a blast doing it. I know I did. For students who progress through the advanced class, the entire program culminates with a big, Big show on the legendary whole world stage. All the actors at our award-winning theater have gone through our class program. And now it's time for you to take the stage. That's right, you. You know you want to. Get that neuroplasticity going and gain confidence at the same time. Go to the classes page at wholeworldtheater.com to register. Or for more details, you can email our associate director, David Owen, at david at wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, that's theater spelled with an R-E, because huh, we're fancy. You know, I know everyone has their opinions on 
that time when we were doing Zoom shows. I look back on it fondly. For what it was, I had fun doing them. I had fun emceeing shows for people. I enjoyed opening, <laughs> opening my Burger King Pokemon toys at the top of it in pursuit of that stuffed Pikachu plush. Because I, I knew some of my campers were watching and my students were oh, watching. I was going to bring it up. You beat me by like a second. <laughs> <laughs> Did you keep all of these Happy Meal and Burger King meal? You kept them all? You collected them all? So, uh, no. I did go on eBay as I was quarantined and bored, and I bought back a little bit of my childhood. I bought a bunch of Generation 1 Crazy Bones, which was a big thing in the late 90s, to collect. Then I got a bunch of those... Burger King, Pokemon, Happy Meal toys. And um, I didn't buy them with the intention of opening them on camera, but I just ended up doing it. <laughs> well, you are big into that kind of 90s nostalgia. Totally. Totally. 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, obviously, as we grow up, I mean, mm -hmm. to me, the 90s were, I just got out of high school. Yeah. I don't remember the early 90s as much because I was really young. But uh, the late 90s, I do remember quite fondly. So let's, like, can we pick up from the bathroom at 10 Lizzie's? So you get out of the bathroom <laughs> and you're like, oop, done performing. So what the hell happens next? I don't know what I was thinking. Well, obviously, I was still in the mindset of, uh, I'm done doing things that make me nervous, <laughs> a.k.a. I'm done doing things that challenge me, which is not a good mindset to have. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was just meandering along in life and um, just looking for something. And Emily stayed on my ass about it, and you did too, which I appreciated because my complacency would not have brought me back here. I'm very glad that that's not what happened because I love what I do. And did you do any of the camps as a kid? Nope, I did not do the camps as a kid. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I was... When did Emily start the camp? I might have been too old. I don't know. My brother did them. My cousins did them. Yeah. I think I might have been too old when she... I mean, we started a long time uh -huh. ago. Because when I first <laughs> became student program director, right, I was reaching out to Pinckneyville School, uh -huh. and we were doing stuff there, um, and then somebody said something inappropriate. Uh -uh. And I've been doing kids' theater for many, many years, mm -hmm. and when an actor messes up, this is what I've learned. It takes one millisecond for it to register and then several seconds after that for the ooh factor <laughs> the ooh, ooh, when uh, an adult has made a mistake oh yeah and it's very oh, yeah. well pointed out and it's one of those things in the room that you cannot ignore yeah. and then there's always uh, one of the teachers that's going to come over to you that you were hoping to get a check from yeah uh -huh. that's going to be like um yeah yeah we're docking you. That, that actor said shit <laughs> during the kids' show when you're like, yeah, 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 it's improv. It might happen. But we had created a whole line of games that were just for little, little kids. Mm -hmm. Like we had a Mother Goose improv with the buzzer, which is how that ended up happening. Wow. Um, and uh, I wasn't and did not want to work with children anymore as much as I loved them. <laughs> Um, but uh, I knew he was going to amend the statement immediately. Well, and so I ended up becoming the assistant artistic director, and we hired Emily to be the student program director, mm -hmm. and she did a much better job at taking that over. So, I mean, that would have been very early on in whole yeah. world career. So, I believe the only person to go through the entirety of the program is Josh Rosenthal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know yeah. he was a camper. Well, we just uh, had his interview nice. roll out. Yeah, 
you're talking about how structured everything was and your jobs and everything like that. So mm-hmm. Whole World, was this your first exposure to acting at all? Yes, apart from doing a one-man show for night program at Camp I Harbor, an overnight camp I did. Yeah, it was, it was. I only did like unofficial things involved in school. Never was a part of the drama department, but like, you know, for the talent show, my buddy and I did a comedy duo act. Yeah, so this was my first exposure. So when you graduated then, people you talked to, I know Jessica, Matt, yep. Donovan, they all moved into The Apprentice. Did you move into The Apprentice cast immediately? Or no. you took the time off? Yeah, because I was so complacent. Um, I was comfortable being complacent. Uh, yeah, I just took advantage of having the quote-unquote downtime because that's what I perceived it at the time. I perceived it as like, oh, I'm done with school, I'm done with sports. I can have some time to myself. But then you came back into the I, one that we were in together? Yeah, it had to have been. Who else was in our class? Oh, it was Josh, Jennifer Nitoso. That one, yes. David, uh, what was his last name? Um, Al Gack. Yeah, uh, like yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I liked him. And Dick Nack. I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, I liked yeah, I think I, it's And Dick Something yeah. like that. We, him, him and I had some good chemistry on stage. I liked performing with him. Yeah. Was Kosover in that class? Yeah, Rachel. Okay. Uh-huh. Cool. Okay. That must have been my second. And then my final graduation was, I think, with um, Christy Hildebrandt mm-hmm. and Aaron Lance Gatlin. Yeah. Those okay. types of people, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you went through it three times. I believe. Did that help you overcome the complacency, having gone through it that many times? Yeah. And can one of y'all define complacency? Very comfortable being, like, reveling in predictability. Thank you. I really appreciate that for our listeners. (laughs) That's, yeah, I was very happy just doing only the things that I knew were going to happen. You're nicer (laughs) than I am. (laughs) Listenersdictionary.com. Major support for Whole World Improv Theater is provided by the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs, where beautiful people bring you the arts while surrounded by singing birds and fairies. They must have us mistaken for something like Shakespeare in the Park. Or the vagina monologues. Vagina. So what's the moment that you are offered an apprentice spot? Or was it Unusual Suspects back then? It was still Apprentice. Unusual Suspects came a few months later. I was offered it by you. I did not think I was ready, but you said that I was, and I took the leap. Had my first rehearsal here. This was back when we used to sit in the risers, Mm -hmm. and you, Emily, and Eric were on stage. Had that first rehearsal out in the cafe. I remember playing a game very poorly because I was nervous. I was very timid. So I was just making all the safe choices. Mm-hmm. All the safe choices, you know, uh, not getting much of a reaction because I wasn't adding much to the scene. But yeah, I was doing some scene with Shelly Hildebrandt. Yeah, mm-hmm. Hildebrandt. Shelly and there was a third up there. It might have been Carlos, actually. Um, but yeah, very poor scene. But I remember being really excited And I went to Emily afterwards and I was like, this was awesome. It was cool being officially part of the company. It was cool sitting in like the company meeting at the top of rehearsal for the first time. You know, Apprentice Cast was big. Some of the main stages were there. I remember Ethan Smith was there watching me do that, me do that awful scene. Drew Dotson was there too. Loved performing with Drew. To this day, no one has ever made me crack on stage harder than Drew Dotson. Hasn't (laughs) happened. Rough rehearsal for me personally, because I was too timid. But I remember leaving feeling like, okay, this is cool. I like this. Mm -hmm. I like these people. I can do this. 
You know, what's interesting to me is I get it being complacent. Now you're here and you're nervous, obviously, but mm-hmm. on stage now, when you're doing scenes, mm-hmm. you are anything but that. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you're taking risks out there. You have the confidence. Are we going to call this episode complacent? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey. We could call it fuck complacency. Yeah, yeah, fuck complacency. We can also implement a word of the day. Yeah. I know this is the last podcast, but we can go back and... Well, as we record this, it's the last podcast. <laughs> yeah, so you can just go back and, uh, you know, edit all the ones. You're number 15. <laughs> You're episode 15. <laughs> no, We're going last. I love performing on stage. Yeah, I don't really get nervous. I'll get nervous and heady a little bit, like if I have to play a game that I haven't played in a long time, but it's nothing to the extent that it used to be. Was there anything in particular that you remember or was there a moment where you said, wow, I feel better or yeah, you got over that nervousness? The f- I think the most obvious choice to me, it was my first time ever on this stage performing for an audience. It was my graduation show for beginners and I was playing emo interview mm-hmm. and I was nervous as hell. And I came out to be interviewed for a uh, elephant cleaner, whatever the job was. <laughs> but I remember just turning it on. You know, I was like, all right, job that needs to be done. So I just turned it on, even though I was nervous, went out there. Lauren said tragic for my first emotion, which kind of threw me because I was like, I haven't done that emotion before. Yeah, but I just was myself. And I just said, uh, the person asked me how I got into elephant cleaning. And then she said tragic. And I said, well, is uh, I'm following after my dad's footsteps. You know, he was down there one time cleaning the elephant toenails. And then I just slammed my, I stomped my foot as hard as I could to illustrate him getting stomped, stomped and flattened by an elephant. And I remember it was just so loud. And I remember the entire room just erupted in laughter. And yeah, that was like a switch for me, like uh, where I was just like, I can do this. I can do this. And that was the first of many roadblocks that I overcame. That's the one that's most prevalent. Yeah. We're going to change the word of the day, folks. <laughs> prevalent. 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 It was the one that was Today's most prevalent. Today's podcast is brought to you by the word prevalent. We fancy. Prevalent complacency. So I think it's good for listeners, especially apprentice cast members, to hear that you had struggles and doubts and mm-hmm. all of that at the beginning, because I think we all did. Sure. You know? I mean, I know oh, yeah. I waited to do improv last Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a little bit of training when I was a kid in musical theater. We had a little bit here and there. I was really introduced to it in Minnesota mm-hmm. at the Limelight because the people that owned the company I worked for also one of them owned the Limelight. So I would get to go down there on the weekends when we weren't working and they would pay me to run concessions or the box office or work in the booth, Mm -hmm. all the things that you should know how to do. And one night they called me up on stage and they used me for a scene and (laughs) I had never been more nervous. Oh yeah. Because I'm watching these guys and they do comedy sports. So it's, you know, the red team and the blue team and they all have a name and I'm supposed to be not only giving them information for them to do scenes, but I'm supposed to pick the winning team and all this stuff. And I was just up there. And when we got off stage, I was just being me. And we were in the green room in the back and they were like, you need to take a class right now. You need to do this right now. And I was like, I'm too busy on the road. But we were doing 50% education with 50% improvised comedy and rehearsals Uh that we would then script. So we were on the road doing all of this stuff, which is how I got the fortunate position of being a director there with the company because I excel in that environment Mm -hmm. and I loved that process. And I think that the more people know that, you know, when you're first starting this, you got to have those. I always tell people about my crappiest moment on stage to this day, it is burned into my brain (laughs) 
we had created a dungeon set up here. Okay. And Timothy had painted it. Okay, so on the stage up left. Yeah. All uh-huh. right. So okay. we painted it to look like cobblestones. Uh-huh. And I was supposed to be a friar. And they wanted me to have the yeah. ball spot on top. Perfect. It was Lance Crawl that was emceeing that show. And Jenny was supposed to be the fair maiden, my daughter, who was going to be beheaded that day. Mm-hmm. And Wes Kenmore was behind us, shrouded in all black, holding <laughs> a plastic axe. And he was instructed not to speak. Uh-huh. I got so heady about the whole performance, about me being a friar, and I thought the outfit looked stupid. I thought I looked stupid. I wasn't buying into it, and the scene started, and I just froze up, and he was buzzing. And then at one point, I got buzzed so much, I just shut down, and I stopped talking. And Jenny's like, can you please say something? <laughs> and I was like, um, um. And all of a sudden, Wes lifted up his hood. Oh. He said, he's catatonic. <laughs> <laughs> he can't speak because he's in fear that you're about to have your head cut. And then it ended. Yeah. And I just remember walking back there. And all I can remember is Jenny's going like, what the fuck was like, Jenny? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And I was like, I don't know. And then, of course, you know, after the show, Lance was like, what the f- was that? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. He's like, I don't know that you're ever going to be in one of my shows again. I was like, oh, shit. Yikes. Oh, shit. But, I mean, everybody has a yeah. moment or a time or a story, which is why I'm glad we do this. So other people coming up, just because we now have done it for so many years, mm-hmm. and we may be better seasoned at it than others, but we all still had our own struggle absolutely do you remember john raffoff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. remember that uh you would have him play that game here i am i don't know if you remember it but he told us that first time he ever played that game he did not know that he had to come up with a name for the show he missed that part of the direction so he realized it when you were like saying all right let's see how they do and the lights went down so he just went shit and so he like hid behind the red bar or whatever big thing was there at the time and he was just thinking he was like, all right, I got to think of a name. So he was just back there thinking. Uh, and then the lights went up. He said there's like probably a good like five, seven seconds of just nothing happening. And then he just blasted out. And because his mind was freezing up, as you do when the pressure's on sometimes. So he just blasted up and went, here I am, and then went on with it. And then that became a thing for him. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. So I'd like to know both of your opinions on this. You know, the roadblocks we're talking about here, you know, mm-hmm. freezing up. What's the way to get beyond that? Well, how do you work on that roadblock to overcome that roadblock? I would say besides practical experience and repetition, which is the most important thing, if you ask me, it's what I tell my students as well. You got to immerse yourself. You got to expose yourself to it. I remember Chip said, you know, in one of the classes, uh, it was the class that I had took with Nick Tapp, Trip Crosby, Dutch. Um, what was his name? The traffic guy? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Aram. There we go. Radio's Mark Aram. Um, yeah, I remember you told us, because we were not coming to jams or, mm-hmm. or, like, or shows except for one of the students. I remember you told us, uh, and you're like, look, y'all, in order to get better at improv, two hours a week ain't enough. Mm-hmm. You got to do more. So yeah. I've always remembered that. Mm-hmm. Um, so practical experience, I would say. Expose yourself to it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, if you find yourself in a situation where you are freezing, what I did that helped me out of that moment, and I've never frozen since, is Mm -hmm. uh, this isn't like groundbreaking or anything, but I literally have to picture where I am in the scene. I can't be thinking I'm David on a stage doing improv. As soon as you do that, you're fucking up because Mm -hmm. you're in your own head and you're not listening Mm -hmm. and you're letting things pass. But the scene called for us being at a bus stop. 
I was freezing up, so I literally just pictured my childhood bus stop when I was waiting, and it pulled me immediately into the scene. So that's what I tell everyone. If you're having a moment, if you're in your own head, picture the where. Immerse yourself in it. You got to do it quick, and then you're off to the races. That's what helped me. Chip? I knew from the moment I got off stage after that colossal fail. <laughs> I'm sorry, was it filmed then? Was this when y'all were filming for Turner South? I don't know that it would okay. be filmed. I don't recall that that was happening at the time. I had just become main stage. Gotcha. And you really had to fight to get into a show. Because mm-hmm. like I said, at the time, I was also not able to do the shows on Friday because I was bartending. Uh-huh. I was our first bar person. Okay. And now I'm the bar person and I, again. Full, and now I'm full circle. Yep. Yes, sir. Um, but, um, but I knew when I got off that that was never going to happen to me ever again and that I needed to really get focused. I think the reason I got so heady was I was going to try to do an accent with that, but I mm. couldn't decide on it. And I think I started and then it slipped and I wasn't already buying the situation. So I got so heady about yeah. it that it caused me to freeze. And I've never had that happen to me ever ever since. So what I did was immerse myself into everything that my partner was saying. And that was one of the things that totally kept me out of my head was just really being focused on what was being said to me. Absolutely. And it really changed because I think at the time I was thinking like, how can I be more funny or what Mm -hmm. can I do to make this better as opposed to just trusting and listening to what was being said and then responding from there. Because I think a lot of my great moments even now come from the fact that someone has said something and I'm not going to let them get away with it. Yeah. Like you can't just breeze over some things. And I think some people do. They just say it for the sake of saying it. And I'm always looking for that in my partner's conversation so I can say, yeah. oh, Bring attention wait a minute. To it. Tanya does something similar. Mm-hmm. My worst scene was a version of interrogator. It's the, uh, ooh, you're in trouble, uh-huh. which means my parents caught me. You know, I came home late and then my parents had to give me clues as to where I was, what I did. And who you were hanging out with. And who I was hanging out with. Really fun. Cool. And it was with Elizabeth King and Mm -hmm. Matt Griffin. Mm -hmm. And in the worst game you could possibly freeze in, I froze. I just did not. I just... I just stopped and I was scared because I needed guesses. I think I emceed that. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you didn't. I didn't. It was Carlos. Uh And I'll tell you why in a second. So yeah, I just got so in my head about, Mm -hmm. oh no, I'm not guessing. Oh no, I need to guess. And I just stopped listening to the clues. Finally, I think I got one. Carlos ended it. (laughs) (laughs) You got one. I got one. Wow. And... It was right before intermission, so we all went. I remember we all went outside. I think they were painting Larry's or something like that, and mm-hmm. there was or whatever. We all went outside, and you guys know Carlos. He was always positive, you know, and everything. Sure. You know, he, and mm-hmm. he just said, he just looked at me, John. <laughs> and the only way for me to overcome it is immediately I just took responsibility and said, I fucked that up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry I fucked that up, yeah. Matt, Elizabeth. I'm sorry I fucked uh-huh. that up. And I did not get into a show again for six months. Whoa. Woof. Yeah. But I even admitted it in rehearsal. Hey, this was painful. And I asked Carlos, look, put me back in there because I know I'm better. And every rehearsal after that, any jam, I wanted interrogator at some point. Yeah. To me, that was just the only way to overcome. And I've not frozen since. Well done. 
Man, six months. That's what you get, you son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. That's what you get for freezing. You, you know, <laughs> that's one thing. You, you know, tell the don't count. I counted that once just because uh-huh. I was curious, but don't count how many days or months between yeah. shows. Don't count how many scenes, scenes you're in, in the show. I couldn't mm-hmm. agree more. If to Don't count and then scene. don't come to a director and say, so-and-so uh, got two extra scenes than me or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, counting yeah. is can be the death. It really can be. It really can it, be. It's, you know. Yeah, don't, don't keep score. Don't compare with other yeah. people. You got to trust the process. And you're just going to, I'm saying this from experience, you're just going to piss yourself off. Well, and you got to think too, what I give examples about character work, dialect, impersonation, I always reference SNL. Mm-hmm. And I always say, you know, if you feel like it's inappropriate, then why is it on national television on Saturday night every year for decades? And why is it still prevalent? <laughs> mm-hmm. like, like that? Um, so That's I, now the secret word. Yeah. Brought to you now by Prevalent. Prevalent. Absolutely. But I also tell them, you have to understand that there are a lot of scenes that are ready to roll out on SNL that never make it. Mm -hmm. Like, they have rehearsed them. It's ready to go. The set is built. It's on the sidelines. And there are times that those people that wrote that and were looking forward to it were told, we're pulling it. And they went on to something else because it's live. Yeah. And you have to do that during live. And you look at some of the sub players that are coming up behind the Kristen Wiggs and the, you know, Billy Crystals and all those people that were on the show had all these characters and all these scenes because of their popularity. Yep. While you were watching other smaller ones in the background that had to really work their way all the way up. You know, Keenan also did the same thing, but he's been on it. Once he made his mark, he's stayed on the show for, oh my God. 20 years. Yeah, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. He's like one of the longest players. So uh, disappointment and or counting, you know, at SNL, I'm sure they, they're like, yeah, sorry, it didn't happen. But you can't be over there going, I was only on one thing in SNL. Hey, you made it to SNL, bitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good point, honestly. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. So no, no complaining. I mean, I agree. Some of the best advice that I got, uh, one was from my mom. You can't control what other people do. You can only control what you do. So you got to focus on yourself, you know, self-reflect. You can't control what other people do, a.k.a. the MC, uh, how many times you're cast, what games you're in. You can't do that because that's insane. You can't control other people, but you can control yourself. So self-reflect, think about what you can do, and think about how you can improve. Christy Hildebrandt, shout out to Christy Hildebrandt. She told me, and I, I had known this advice, but I like the way that she said it. You can either be a victor or a victim. Mm-hmm. With a uh, you know feedback, yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. focus on yourself and be. And a if Christy is out there listening and donates a thousand dollars, we will keep that in the podcast. <laughs> we will, we will, absolutely. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> this program is supported in part by Georgia Council for the Arts through the appropriations of the Georgia General Assembly. Georgia Council for the Arts also receives support from its partner agency, the National Endowment for the Arts. And thank goodness for organizations like these, because now more than ever, anybody sick of that phrase? Everyone knows how important the arts are, because where did everybody turn to after two years of health arts? Let's keep recognizing these amazing organizations for what they are and what they do. We love you.
you're in the apprentice cast. What is it like? Because I've asked everyone, what's it that moment that you cross over into main cast? What's that feeling? What is it like? A lot, you know, excitement, obviously. That's the first one you get. You're thrilled. Um, then you're intimidated because you're having to step up your caliber of performance. You know, you're now you're playing with the big boys and the big gals. You know, this is part of the head honcho crew. So, you know, you got to be prepared to rehearse with them every Wednesday as opposed to the apprentice cast. So you got to be ready to step up. You got to be ready to improve. And then after that, a little bit of loss because a little bit of like sorrow because you don't get to play with your apprentice cast anymore, which isn't true. You know, you still get to play with them. But, uh, you know, you go from rehearsing every Wednesday with your buddies, your apprentice cast. So, you know, enjoy that process while you're an apprentice. Don't be so focused on the next step that you're not enjoying where you are right now. Because I, I loved rehearsing, you know, with Brandon North, Jared mm -hmm. Sullivan. We had a good group of people. Donovan Young, Hugh, you know, Brooks Spivey, all kinds of people. John Mahalik. John Mahalik. Yeah, that's for sure. But, you know, I had a great time. But then, you know, you got to say bye. And then you got to go start practicing with Drew Dotson. Drew Killian, Monish, the big boys. Mm -hmm. So Elizabeth King. Yeah, you just got to step it up and Chip Powell. Chip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excite, excitement, <laughs> nervousness. <laughs> and then I guess a little bit of parting is such sweet sorrow. A little touch of bittersweet there at the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what's it like being a main stage performer and then starting to instruct and teach? intimidating at first because I had taught kids. I've been teaching kids forever with summer camp and then with kids classes. Um, when did you start your first summer camp? Oh, man. I mean, it had to have been back in, I think it was like 2013 or 2014 when I started oh, under, it might have, it was tw it was 2012 when I had my first camp assisting Lauren Goins instruct because I remember, yeah, the 2012 camp shirt had the the three owls. Mm -hmm. Who, what, where. What, where. What? So started there, was teaching kids for a while. Yeah, it was a whole nother beast. You know, I'm concerned with, are these adults having fun? Are they getting their money's worth? Um, it was intimidating at first. What was the first challenge you felt like you had as an instructor? Giving constructive criticism and not being overly concerned with hurting somebody's feelings. Mm -hmm. Um you know, because these people, you're getting to know them, you're becoming friends with them, and then you got to tell them awkward, you got to tell them, hey, that sucked, you know, but you yeah, got to find yeah. a way to do it in a very palatable way, in a constructive way, so they can learn. Because that's what you want as a teacher, as an instructor, obviously, is to help your students progress. But that was the big one. And also, it made it a little tough because uh, one lady who was in my first ever class gave her fair feedback and it wasn't even harsh but she had had a bad day that day and she uh had to leave the room while like getting choked up and i remember it, it was very jarring as an instructor because you know like the whole room just saw this she didn't yell or cry or anything she said something along the lines of i need a second and she just walked out crying and i was like oh goodness the next day she came, I remember I was doing something in the booth and she came up to me and she said, I just want to apologize for this. That, And I just told her, yeah, just make sure you're communicating with me. You know, if you got something going on, I, you know, I'll work with you. But that was the most intimidating thing at first is telling someone who you like, you know, your new student that what they did was bad. Mm -hmm. And this is how you can improve it. Because, you know, you never want to hurt someone's feelings. At least I don't. But it's what they need to hear. It's your job. I think especially early on, I got challenged a lot mm -hmm. because, you know, I had just become the student program director. We had built the six-month programs. They were all full. They had 25 students each. It was a massive task to take on. 
And then you're in charge of one of the groups and you're teaching. And I think that's when it kicked in for me that, you know, that's why there's readings and there's offerings Mm -hmm. and the 10 basic rules of improv that I suggest to people. Because I went and I was like, you know what, if I'm going to be able to give someone feedback, I need to have the answer. And so I went and researched it. Now, you always think as the years go by, we've had so many people come through this class program. Yeah. And some end up in the main cast and some end up apprentices. And you just always want to feel like you've done something good and they got what they wanted to get out of it. But you never know until... So, like, I have two situations. One was a young gentleman who threw a rocking chair across the room over my head. You told me that one. And it smashed. And he was trying to hit the girl that was in the scene with him because she was implying that he was gay. And he was very upset about that. (laughs) And when we called scene, he's like, she was calling me gay. And I was like, oh, my God, dude, it's acting. Yeah. And I was like, you have to go outside. So I sent him outside. Mm Mm-hmm. I went out there and I said, what is going on? I'm sorry, I just didn't take my medication today. And I went, oh, shh, uh, uh-uh. I'm sorry, but you cannot continue because you just threatened a woman. You Mm -hmm. almost hit me with a chair. If this is based on medication, you're going to have to just go away and figure it out. A few years later, I'm at a Beastie Boys concert and I run into him and he's like, oh my God, you were the best instructor of improv ever. So you're like, oh my God. Okay, well, well, great. I'm glad he walked away with a good impression. Whereas we have this other young lady who was in my classes and at the time she had had a surgery. So I made her homemade soup and took it over to her and checked on her after her surgery. And she still got my little pot that I (laughs) put that soup in, by the way. You know who you are. Bring me my pot back. This man inventories all of his kitchen materials. Oh, I know everything. He, <laughs> I know what all. He demands that you bring stuff oh, I back. Know. I know exactly where everything is. And uh, anyway, <laughs> so just a couple of years ago, we went to see Melissa Sims' husband, Keith. His band was playing mm-hmm. uh, right down the street here. Um, center stage, is that what it is? Yeah, yes. center stage. So uh, Emily and I were in there, <laughs> and we were at the bar, and the girl was the bartender. I was like, oh, my God, hey, how are you? And she's like, I'm fine. And I'm like, okay, well, um, we're going to get a couple of glasses of wine or whatever we were drinking. And um, she came back, and I said, Emily, this is so-and-so. She took classes with me, yeah. and she did the whole program. And she put my change down. She went, not well enough to be invited to the cast. And then she walked away. Yikes. Wow. And I was like, well, I didn't know that was your goal. Yeah, yeah. I got red for filth. And I was just like, oh, my God. I thought her and I had it like, you know, and uh-huh. I, to, in that moment, I almost said, where's my pot, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> hope that soup, hope you, hope you like that soup. Hope you like that soup. I want my pot back. <laughs> that is the title of the episode. Where's my oh, pot, bitch? <laughs> well, you know, they, that is a tough situation, though. Like somebody puts forth the time and the effort, but mm-hmm. sometimes they just don't have what it takes. Yeah, I'm telling you. And also sometimes they just can't meet the time commitments. Of course. That's you know, big, and, and we also have a lot of apprentices who come in and they're really, really talented and then they get a taste of, you know, whoa, this yeah. is the time commitment. It's almost like a part-time job on top of the full-time jobs. Yeah, Gabe. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Come on, man. What's it like for you now that you are a part of the management team? That also is a different layer as a performer here. So it's not only that you run a summer camp, you instruct adults, that you put these classes together, now that you also MC shows, act in shows, but also have to work amongst the cast as a manager. What's that like? I like being a manager. I like coming up with the classes. I like doing that stuff. It is fulfilling and rewarding. It was a little awkward at first, you know, because like these are my peers. Mm -hmm. You know, we went through the ranks together. So it was a little awkward at first. I don't want to be a hard ass, obviously. But at the same time, you know, I got to make sure that people are respecting boundaries and they're behaving appropriately. Difficult at times. Mm -hmm. Difficult at times had to have some awkward conversations with people that were my peers, people that I just performed with all the time. Oh, yeah. People get too comfortable. People backslide. People get angry. Uh, mm-hmm. It can be awkward, but it's all part of the growth. This is mm-hmm. what I'm going to have to do. I need to be able to do it well. Yeah. So it's important. Yeah. Well, can, we've had some tough conversations about yeah. <laughs> about how to handle things. We have. We have, we have. Well, and it's, it's, but it's part of the territory of how many more years will this company be here? We're almost to 28. Yep. And it didn't get to 28 years because we didn't have to have some difficult conversations. Because the really great thing is you have really good conversations, like yes. when you bring people up. See, I was brought up in a day when we didn't get all the revelry. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You were fighting to get the last slot right. in what was going to become a television show. Mm-hmm. And so Derek Green and I were the last two that were brought in as the official main cast of Whole World. I got the support of all the people in the room because they voted for me to come in there. Yeah, And that was a great feeling, but it was announced and we immediately went to work. There wasn't any like, you know, let's go party or yeah. any of mm-hmm. that because we had tough luck. Stakes were high too. Yeah. I just remember after that initial experience, like I said, some months after that was when I had the freeze up. Yeah. So, I mean, I was also in a position where I felt I was I was having to prove myself, which I did for many years. I felt like I had to prove myself yeah. and continue to work on these things. And then, like you said, you become an instructor. And then you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to put my money where my mouth is and up my game if I want people to respect what it is that I'm doing. And then you move further into management, and that's when you're the one that has to go, oh, okay, you messed up. You're going to have to step away or you're going to have to leave. Yeah. But you're also the person that goes, hey, you come on in and Mm -hmm. be a part of this because these people like you and we we need to build you up more. And so it's all the emotions, not just the ones on stage during the show, but the ones that have to go into what we sometimes have to call the tough love, which you've been there with me a few times for tough love. And it's not to say that you want to hurt anyone but when they're affecting or it's affecting the other people around you have to make sure you take care of it so that everyone has a healthy growth environment to work in exactly it's very hard to balance it it's hard to balance it it can be difficult to maintain but you know our rules are pretty steadfast and fair Mm -hmm. like you know no judgment that's our number one rule for kids camp for Mm -hmm. kids class adult class apprentices main stagers it's a good rule it's a solid rule it's a great foundation to build upon 
So as long as that's being respected, as long as we're maintaining a healthy environment, a safe place where people feel comfortable enough to fail, comfortable enough to try things out during rehearsal on this stage, find it. Because that's the safe place. Mm-hmm. That's where you practice. So, yeah, we have to protect that. It's imperative that people feel comfortable enough to just say what they want. And then, of course, everyone... <laughs> Of course, people what they want to say sometimes is wrong, inappropriate. That's what rehearsal's for. Mm-hmm. That's what practice is for. Mm-hmm. That's where we find out, eh, that's a little much. I mean, I've had plenty of moments <laughs> where, mm-hmm. where uh, you know, I mean, I remember that one character that I tried out during a show. I should have tried him out in rehearsal. I mm-hmm. was It was based off of a YouTuber that I was watching a lot at the time. I was playing a character game. You weren't the MC, but you were in the mm-hmm. scene with me. And um, he was just an immature YouTuber. And he said, that's gay a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's back when we used to say that. So I was saying that on stage, like, oh. And he, he was very nasally when, when he would talk. So a couple of my responses started off with, oh, what are you, fucking gay? first one it was like kind of a chuckle by the time the third one came around i remember looking at you you were looking at me like like you had the biggest smile on your face because you were like dude what are you doing (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) really a third time (laughs) yeah you're beating a dead horse yeah yeah yeah. and that's why practices in rehearsals are so important that's why no judgment must be respected and that's why that's so important to have a place where we can all feel comfortable enough to fail Mm -hmm. You got to fail to learn how to succeed, man. Can't skip steps, guys. You're right. One thing we really haven't talked about much is the importance of rehearsals. I mean, this is where we're going to prepare. We're going to put on the best show we can here. We're all going to have fun by default Mm -hmm. because of the community here, liking what we do, liking each other. But you still have to take those steps. You still need the experience of just preparation. Mm Mm-hmm. You've got to take that seriously. And, you know, the apprentices who take that seriously tend to move up. They're the ones who are learning the nuances of the game, trying to build a lot of group mind. Mm-hmm. I agree. Nice. <laughs> I get the little nice from Chad. Yeah, man. Nice. I mean, if you don't practice, if you don't take it seriously, your skills are going to atrophy and then you will yeah. not be as funny as a bummer. And that's also why it's very important that you don't count. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, yeah, earlier yeah. don't count scenes, don't compare yourself to another performer. Don't be like, Ooh. this performer's getting in so many shows and I'm not. Because when you do that, all you do is you piss yourself off. Mm-hmm. And then when you come here, you're being a victim, well, not a victim. I always say, instead of counting or looking at someone else's performance, why aren't you creating a new character yeah, with exactly. all that extra time? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you creating something to impress as opposed to coming in here with bitter feelings yep. about what you counted and or what someone else is doing because it's just going to make bitter party of one. <laughs> and that's usually when I tap you on the shoulder and say, um, yeah, you need to walk away. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't help. You no. just get in your own way if you mm-hmm. can't manage your emotions and feelings like that. You got to know how to do it when, when the time comes. Otherwise, you are just going to prolong this period where you're not getting what you want. Mm-hmm. We're not just going to give you things, you know? We don't want to do that. And neither you shouldn't want to just be given something. Earn it, man. Anything worth having is worth the work. Yeah, couldn't agree more. There's no substitute for that. Mm -hmm. You know? Well, I hate wrapping this up because it's such a good conversation. We could keep talking (laughs) Mm -hmm. for another hour. We've we've been here a while. You the most, obviously. John. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm pointing that chip right now. Audience at home. No, it was very mm-hmm. nice reminiscing yeah. about... Um, well, and I'd really like to put my clothes back on. Yeah, it's really cold in here. It is. It's my, really cold. I, I, my, my Audi's become an innie. <laughs> 
That is the title of the episode now. <laughs> John still has his T-shirt on, which I don't get. It's just his pants that are off. Yeah. Well, you have to do this when you're uh, recording. Clearly, but how come we have to be butt naked? You have great chests, what can <laughs> I say? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. You know, David, thanks for coming in today. We enjoyed talking to you and all your insight. Pleasure yeah, being here. Thanks get, for having get me. Get back to work. All right, all right. <laughs> Until then, we will be back next week, and our guest will be Chip Powell. Wow, I'm excited. Till then, I'm Jamie Halleck. I'm Chip Powell. And scene. Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Theater podcast. Now with a fresh new lemony scent. The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theater in association with Headspace Industries. The executive producer, writer, and servant in the place of truth is Chip Powell. The other producer, writer, whatever, is John Mihalik. Ooh, that is ominous. The voiceover booth here isn't set up yet, and so I'm, I'm kind of pulling some strings, and I'm huddled underneath a giant comforter. And it's probably uh, about 120 degrees under here. And big old sweat droplet dropped right on what I'm reading. And right on the H of Mihalik. I don't know what it means. Probably means that we're both sweaty people, John. Original music by The Gentle Readers. And our social media maven is Bethany Rowe. Please help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. And use emojis. It's fun watching John try to figure out what they are. Eggplant donut, eggplant donut, eggplant donut, bagel. What's the difference between a bagel and a donut in the euphemism world? Write in and let us know. Or peach. Whole World Improv Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, it's tax deductible. It's easier than lying about the size of your home office. Oh, man, that's another one that hit really close to home. But I've only really lived in 600 square feet ever. At most. So it's negligible. All right, IRS, you have won. By far, you win. You win. Just take my life. Additional writing and voiceover from me, Kate Hollow. And I'm now officially drenched in sweat from head to toe. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Hand me my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun, guys. Thanks.